0: episode 178 welcome to radical you can see there is a new feel new vibe the studio is coming along i have been absolutely uh busting my butt uh coming up with new ways and kind of figuring out uh how this is gonna be uh, i will give you guys a uh, I, I guess kind of a, a, a backstage uh, type of walkthrough in terms of what's been going on in here, um, in terms of podcasting and all that kind of stuff. Because I think a lot of what you guys, um, you know, want to know is kind of like what's going on in the background. I mean, I've got a mattress hanging from the f- ceiling. You know, it's it's it's, it's professionally done, um, but it's to dampen the sound uh, to get it nice and dead and quiet in here for. Uh, Having discussions. This table uh, I built a long time ago and I kind of repurposed it and and redesigned a little bit of it. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, like some of this stuff was, it needed to be done. It needed to be done for uh, me to have guests in. And now that I think people are loosening up, they're seeing through all the nonsense that is the uh, the COVID-19 scare uh, and we're trying to get back to our lives. I think we're going to have a lot of great conversations here at this table. Uh, I can tell you, I've been doing things with my kids here. Uh, they've started their own channel. Uh, they're going to be doing everything from jujitsu to Legos to hunting to outdoorsmanship. I mean, you name it, like we're going to sit down, we're going to have conversations and I'm going to lean a lot into uh, family and homesteading and, and spending a lot of time with these guys now that they're old enough to sit down for maybe 20 minutes to a half an hour and have conversations um, that I think are relative to what's going on in the news cycle that are relative to living a, a very productive life uh, that are, you know, Aspects of being independent and and things um, that I value that I teach these guys, um, both, you know, my little boys and my little girl uh, here. And I can't wait to, to do that with you guys. I think next Saturday, we're going to have a lot of the guys from the Georgia uh, Mises Caucus up here to start talking about the convention. And we're going to start talking about where the conventions are and how to show up and how to have, you know, affect change uh, and to get you guys motivated to get out and see the structure that the Mises caucus has built. And, you know, hats off to Michael Heis for, you know, really kind of pushing uh, all of us to do more, to do better and to be better at recruiting and structuring. And I think a lot of that's going to give you guys uh, a ton of confidence that, you know, this isn't, the old Libertarian Party. This is a Libertarian Party that's absolutely on fire that wants to go out and kick some ass and free people and we've got all the tools and the energy and the fire behind it and I'm... I'm super excited to bring that to you guys. Um, admin stuff. If you guys want to support the show, you can go to uh slash radical pod. It's been a little while since I've done this uh, and uh, support the show for as little as a dollar out there. And I really appreciate when you guys uh, do those things. And uh, thank you guys that have, uh, I want to thank specifically as we're kind of ending the 2021 year, um, the, the, the long time, uh, fans patrons support uh, Caleb uh, Tam's Chris and especially my good buddy quest you guys have been absolutely amazing for years I mean honestly I've been you know kind of in this political game I guess since 2017 and you know for somebody to support you for that long um, is really kind of this cool thing and i I can't thank you guys enough so um thank you guys all for being the originals thank you guys for the support over the years whether uh financially or you know just emotionally whatever you know just Everywhere and anywhere I needed help. You guys have always been there, and I can't thank you guys enough for that. that uh, yeah, uh, you can go out and support the show at patreon.com slash radicalpod. Or if you don't have a lot of money, you want to leave me a review. I love getting these uh, Apple reviews. It helps bump me up in the algorithm. It also lifts me up, uh, you know, just lets me know that I'm doing the right thing. And you guys can direct me here. Five stars. I'll read it here on the air. Uh, the Christmas Truce. Uh, a lot of you guys reached out about that show uh, I think it hit a lot of good uh, places uh, spiritually for a lot of people, uh, you know, mentally and really just was like soulfully impactful. And I appreciate you guys reaching out uh, this one from Silicon Topia. Great reminder that what is important to hold true as a global citizen. And I thank you, uh, global citizen. Yeah, we're all part of the human race. I'm not going to sit here and say like. we're all uh you know going to be part of a global governance for god's sakes but yeah i absolutely agree that um yeah the christmas truce is just one of those great stories that puts things in perspective um and assistant d this was just left uh this this past thursday and it's a five star review it says caring as strength for those who like big scary guys who can lovingly hold a child this podcast is for you I've been listening to Shane since he presented himself as the only principal and literate choice for U.S. Senate last fall. This is the place to learn about living in liberty and at peace. Thank you guys for doing these. I mean, seriously, um, I I love these. If you guys got anything else to bring to my attention, you can go out to uh, email and email me at Shane at Pod. I know there's a lot of guys that you guys want me to have on as guests. Um, And we are working at it for 2022. I think this show is going to do some pretty amazing things in 2022. We've got the Brave project that is coming online, the Brave mission, and we've got the Helios initiative that is already up and running, and we are kicking ass with that. But that's not today's show. Today's show is about confusion in the state, which naturally has to happen. Um, for a lot of reasons, but it kind of came to my attention. Um, there was a, a really, a, I think, kind of especially for her. Uh, her name is Michelle uh, Tandler. She is on Twitter at uh, Michelle Tandler, uh, and she runs this thing called Life School. It's kind of like I think a Skillshare program. So I think she's, you know, I think she's well-meaning, but she put together this, you know, series of tweets. And as I read through it, I was like, oh, man, here's a great opportunity. Um, and, you know, hats off to the the people that brought it to my attention out there and tagged me in the post. Um, this is this is one of those things like I I cannot tell you guys, you know, like these are the moments where we can come in with a lot of empathy and plant seeds and be patient and, and help. And I've reached out to her. Uh, she's responded, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to have her here on the show. Um, I imagine, you know, she's, she's being a little bit bombarded by uh, a lot of libertarians right now and probably some other people as well that don't have um, all of this worked out. I would ask, you know, if you are engaging with Michelle um, that you are kind and patient and, and, you know, planting seeds and not saying, well, Hey, this is, this is where you're wrong. And, I'm not gonna do that today, uh, so to speak, but what I am gonna do is cover her tweets and kind of talk about why the things happen the way they do. And this is no knock at Michelle. Uh I think she's full of questions, and I think a lot of them have you know, like like most people, like we aren't mainstream. Everything that is mainstream is propaganda. Um, so that you don't really ever get exposed to what's really going on in the world. So, um, for Michelle, she, she wrote this, um, and she actually put it on her, uh, substack it's, uh, substack.com. And I guess you can go, um, out there. It says, here's what confuses me about San Francisco. This was uh, about four hours ago, uh, that she put this up and you can find it. It's on her, uh, it's on her Twitter page as well. Um, starts off. Here's what confuses me about San Francisco. We have the most liberal left-wing government and population in the country. We have a $13 billion budget and we have 8,000 people sleeping in the rain this week. Can someone please explain this to me? Um, I'm going to pause through some of this and I'm going to talk about it. And I can definitely begin with this is not, you know, a, a single source issue. I would say the most important part of this is like everything else. It's the understanding of economics. It's the understanding of, you know, a, a $13 billion budget in a, you know, massive city. Once, you know, once really cool city uh, that is and has become just a slush fund of the very elite. What I call the murder cult. These people that are well-connected politicians that are connected to the banks that are also, um, you know, grifting with corporations and it's all of them combined. It's not something that's new. Um, for those of you that are new to the show, I, you know, this term was adopted by me through the anti-federalist papers and they call them the aristocratic combination, which I didn't think went for far enough um, because these people, always turn to coercion and force. They have to be known as the miracle. They have all of these, you know, ridiculous, um, you know, parchments and papers and, and do's and do nots that don't apply to them. They just apply to the normal everyday people who are not connected and they use their power to enrich themselves at the cost of everybody else. So, um, Economics being, you know, the, the, the center of this, this is, this is going to probably center a lot around those those three things, economics, politics and business. And when there's the unholy alliance, and, you know, that we call the murder cult, you're going to get people that are enriching themselves. Whereas, you know, you've got 8000 people sleeping on the street in San Francisco with a 13 billion dollar budget. Now, um, she goes on. What do progressives stand for exactly? I thought it was about making things more fair, about standing up for the little guy, about human rights, equality, equity, compassion. San Francisco to me looks like the least compassionate city on the planet. Well, I got to tell you, um, here's the, there's a lot going on in here. You know, what do progressives stand for exactly? And I'm going to tell you what you think, just like the conservatives, what they think they stand for is not what their representatives stand for, what the representatives do. And there is a big delineation between what representatives will say in front of cameras, in front of reporters, in front of press versus what they do when they take votes to take, you know, this, this huge, huge, unfathomable amount of money. And Put it towards people that are going to reelect them, that are going to bail those corporations out, that are, you know, going to, you know, manipulate currency so that they win over time. It's just how it goes. This is this is you know what it is. You're never, ever, ever going to have a world that is equal when you are dealing with, you know, Keynesian economics, the world isn't fair. We all know the world isn't fair. If your parents didn't teach you that, um, then they did you a disservice. And I'm here to tell you, um, point blank, the world's never going to be fair. It's never going, you're never going to have people in a fair system. A system um, doesn't work. Systems never work. Systems always favor the well-connected, the people that will push along a narrative that the state tells them to push along and we see it now i mean look at this past year who made out like bandits the banks the politicians government in general bureaucrats and the giant corporations that perpetuate narratives that's who that's who made out who got fleeced last year well the poor always you know the, the, i don't say they're the people who are um not working not producing, um, and, and consuming, you know, those people are always going to be poor, but there are people who do produce and people who do not tow the line of the state that don't tow the line of the propagandists that don't tow the line of the banks or the giant corporations. Those are the people who absolutely got crushed over these past two years now. When we're looking at equality that means that the people who have the monopoly on force and coercion can never, ever, ever provide a system or provide for a system of equality. In fact, the larger a system of the government is, the more that we've seen in history, 270 million people killed by their own government in, in the 1900s alone. It was probably one of the bloodiest centuries on record in terms of governments killing their own people. They came up with a term for it; it's called democide. San Francisco, for her, looks like one of the least compassionate cities. That's probably because you've politicized everything, and if you aren't in line with the government and the banks and the, um, you know, the the fourth wing of the government, the the media then you're out of line and you're going to suffer. You're going to be those people that are cast out of society. And I guarantee you, this is, this is what shows a lot in, uh, in San Francisco. The article continues, The slums of Mumbai look cleaner than the streets of downtown San Francisco. This isn't just the tenderloin. It's Soma, parts of the mission dog patch. We have thousands of people wandering around, looking like they are on the brink of death. This is why people use the term zombie. And I will tell you, in places where there is more and more state control, this is always the case. This is why um, you know people like myself are always telling you that the state is the enemy because the state is the the organization that perpetuates the force and coercion to the point where you have things like this. Things in the most liberal, the most, you know, quote unquote, you know, what you would think would be equitable or equal are not. You have a huge population of poor people and you have a population of extremely rich people in San Francisco. The middle in San Francisco is really, you know, being wiped out. And when you look at, you know, m- mean incomes, what property costs, the taxes, and things like that, where they are taking money, property, life and liberty from people through force and coercion, you obviously are going to have a larger state and you're going to have, you know, more and more poor. It's just that's this is how it is. You look at Venezuela, you look at Cuba, you look at places that, you know, like North Korea, totalitarianism, tyranny. Tax 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 for the the quote unquote good of the people, it doesn't work like Margaret uh, Thatcher once said, you know, eventually you run out of other people's money. I've been a registered democrat for 18 years. I grew up in a progressive family and went to a progressive school and have mostly progressive friends. Yet what I see in San Francisco, if this what progressive is if this is what progressive stands for, I want the opposite. Good. The words used here Harm reduction, housing first, criminal justice, social justice, equity. They don't align with what I'm seeing at all. Our, strat- our strategy might as well be called harm increased, housing last, victim injustice, social injustice, and unfairness. Yes, indeed. Um, I, Yeah. You're right, and and that's the thing is if you've read your Orwell, you will understand that the first thing that the state does, the murder cult does, is confuse the language. They have to confuse the language. They have to use a language that is absolutely um, on its head. You know, up is down, left is right, good is bad. All of these things. This is what the the politicians of the state, this murder cult, they have to do this. They have to tell you, you know, wet is dry and dry is wet. It's a great, great poem uh, by Roger Kipling uh, about this very thing, and what it leads to. It leads to death and destruction. And it leads to people breaking, and it leads to violence. And most of the time, it's the the state that's being violent with these people because eventually, and I guarantee you, eventually, what is going to happen is the state is going to come down even harder on people who are defenseless, people who who will not, cannot, do not have the means to resist. People who are walking around like they're dying in San Francisco will eventually be dealt with by the government because there will be a, a large outcry from the people who have, quote-unquote, pay their taxes that you have to do something. What do you think the government does to liabilities? It's not nice to them. Take it from a veteran. You know, If you're a liability instead of an asset to the state, you get dealt with in a lot of ways and if they think that they can move you that they can hurt you cage you kill you take your life liberty and property with little resistance they will just the just the truest of the true in terms of i don't know natural truths this, this is what this is what governments do she goes on yesterday i went for a drive in the rain This is what is happening in San Francisco right now. I am sorry to force readers of this thread to bear witness to this, but I think it's important to acknowledge what we are all ignoring. She's got pictures of, you know, obviously tarps and tents and heaps of trash and everything else. And then she goes on. Where is our 13 billion going exactly? How do we only have 3000 shelter beds when 8,000 are unsheltered in the streets. How is this an American city? Well, this is what your American cities look like. You know, you've got people that are under awnings and bus stops and overpasses and under storefronts that have been boarded up. I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's terrifyingly heartbreaking. But this is what happens when the state runs and politicizes the entire life of anybody and everybody within their jurisdiction. That's why freedom is very freedom and sound money. I just finished the book, San Francisco, San Francisco. If you care about San Francisco, if you care about cities, if you care about America, give it a read. Um, And she provides a link there on Amazon as well. And I'll link all this in my show notes. I'm starting to develop a seriously dark view Of the progressive politicians in charge of our town they have absolute power act like a regime and talked often about how quote broken the system is are the homeless their foot soldiers mascots mercenaries you have to wonder with the funds we have as a city state and nation is this situation on purpose we saw what san francisco was capable of when the pandemic hit. We had testing sites up in days, hotels converted into shelter, funds flowing. Yet here we are. Is this nefarious? Yes, it is. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, absolutely. Progressives tend to blame Republicans for almost everything. Yet here we are, not a Republican in sight, and I think we may have the most deranged city on the planet. Nowhere. Is there such an inequality? I have never seen destitution at this scale. And she lists another link. This is from the UN. Uh, It's the UN report calls the Bay Area homeless crisis, a human rights violation. So here here are her questions to progressives. What do you stand for? What do you believe? What are your strengths as a political group? Weaknesses. Why, after decades of progressive rule in San Francisco, are 8,000 people in the streets? Why do we have the highest overdose rate in the nation? Why do we have the highest property crime rate? Why do we have the fewest children per capita? What are the biggest wins of progressives in San Francisco? What are progressives most proud of here? Who are the strongest public servants of the Progressive Party, why do you think we should continue this path? Lots of great questions, absolutely profound questions that nobody in the media will ever highlight. They'll never talk about them. the the The, the politicians will continue to grift. The banks will continue to bail them out. The uh, in the industries there will continue to ignore. You know what the real problem is. And it's obviously economics to start. And when economics breeds, what I should say, Keynesian economics breeds. Keynesian economics breeds followership. It does not breed independence. It breeds people who will do anything for money. And that means over the long run, sacrificing what principle And what natural morals we have, and you know that's the thing is, I tell everybody, you better define what your principles are in this life. For me, um, you know, peace, liberty, and consent. I will never ever cross those. Peace. Listen, I'm not a pacifist. I I'm I'm not. But when it comes to peace, I think, you know, unless I'm being attacked, unless my neighbors are being attacked unjustly, especially. Then I want peace because in peaceful situations we're not destroying things, and and you know you can't have a an amazing society through destruction. You can't. So it's an old Keynesian, you know, nonsense lie that you know destruction helps the market because people are spending. It doesn't because the resources. It's the broken window fallacy. The the resources in in Austrian. Type understanding of economics they would of somebody let's just say that obviously breaks a window those resources now have to be spent on a window they have to be spent on any of the materials that go towards restoring that window it takes the glassmaker and everybody else involved you know and reallocates what the shop owner would have done with those he could have made improvements on whatever he does for a living He could have made efficiencies in what he does for a living. He could have come up with new processes for whatever he does for a living. But instead, he has to take that capital that has been saved and earned and now spend it towards what should have not happened through destruction. And that's the government. The government is destruction. It always has been. It always will be when they take life, liberty and property through force and coercion. In every sense that they have, they, they have taken life, liberty, and property through force and coercion. What breeds in that environment is San Francisco. It is Cuba. It is Venezuela. It is Nazi Germany. It is anywhere and everywhere. The government, its propaganda have been disseminated and feared by the population that it takes itself out on the absolute most, I guess, uh, vulnerable around us. It may not be what you've been told in schools is probably the furthest thing what you're told from in school in you know, the 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 indoctrination camps in San Francisco, especially the college area. You know, if you're looking at like UC Berkeley and, and things like that and the Bay area, like these are not what you're taught. You're not taught about Austrian economics. You're taught about you know, what we should be doing, using other people's life, liberty, and property against their will to go out and do what you want. To, to somehow think that you're going to provide equality when you're violating people's consciences and you're robbing them by the government gunpoint is not how you're ever going to achieve A a population, a human species for that matter, that is thriving. Never going to happen. Said recently, I have been having flashbacks to junior year when I ran for class representative and lost by five votes. My opponent promised candy, vending machines, parties, and all kinds of fun things. He won and didn't do a darn thing all year. Thought experiment. What would San Francisco look like if Republicans were in charge, if moderates ran things, if we had two-party rule instead of one? I got a question for you. What if the state did not have a monopoly on force? What if people could allocate their resources the way they see fit? Because let's face it, and this is something that liberals especially need to understand, is as a libertarian, We agree that Republicans don't have the answers. A lot of times, Republicans want to spend money on things like security, the warfare state, the MIC. We don't agree with that either. We don't agree with the initiation of force that violates people's life, liberty, and property and takes it for what they deem they want. That's it. Like We don't agree with that either. You need to start considering that first and foremost a system like that should be absolutely erased you should be looking at something completely different you should be looking at a system of volunteerism where people move their money assets resources life liberty and property the way they see fit as long as they're not hurting anybody or taking their stuff and that type of environment that's where the human condition flourishes it is apparent throughout the 1800s here in this country, not that the 1800s were great for everybody. But if you start to apply life, liberty, and property for everyone, not just you know white male landowners, but for everybody, what you get is a system that is based on consent. And I don't understand, especially from liberals, where the deviation is from consent especially given the government, the government doesn't make anybody special. Having a badge and the uniform doesn't make anybody above the ideas that we don't murder, rape, assault, coerce, kidnap, take life, liberty, and property by force and coercion. We somewhere there's a departure between those things for both the Republicans and for the Democrats it's absurd. It's absurd that we don't understand that in 2021. But then again, I digress. When you are indoctrinated from the age of five to think that this is the way and that only two parties should exist in America. E You see what you get when everything is controlled. When everything is paid for by fiat currency. fixed currency. You're going to fix a lot of things in this country and probably decentralize and localize a whole bunch of things. So she goes on. Downtown is boarded up. The children of the Tenderloin are begging the mayor to arrest drug dealers. Our school system is on the brink of state takeover. Our DA is completely over his skis and a defender at heart. We are in crisis. And yes, we voted for this. We know. We probably have more Black Lives Matter signs up than any city in the nation. 40% of our homeless people are Black. Do their lives matter? Or is this just about virtue signaling and moral grandstanding? Yes, it is. It is about virtue signaling and moral grandstanding. Not to mention that Black Lives Matter, the official organization, believes in the destruction of the family unit, which doesn't help anything. And is it also a result of Keynesian economics? It is Austrian economics where we have to depend on our family, on our friends, on the people who live around us. That breeds cohesion within family units, within friendships, within all of these things that doesn't politicize everything um, in the world. It can't. It can't survive like that. This year or this past Thursday afternoon, I dialed into the board of supervisors meeting about the emergency order to refund the police. Our board sat through 10 hours of debate and public comment. That's one of your first problems, is meetings that are 10 hours. E, man, a meeting over about an hour is probably too much. It's about, it was astonishing. Caller after caller saying, defund the police. The number one advocate. For the homeless, Jennifer Friedenbach called in to say vote no on Black Lives Don't Matter. She is the head of at the Coalition SF, which I imagine is Twitter, and has for decades fought against shelters saying they warehouse people. She is for Housing First. Well, here we are. I would really like to know if... F.B. Bach 4 stands by her advocacy. I I personally believe that she is the person most responsible for this tragedy unfolding on our streets. But we are all responsible. We are allowing this insanity. I'd also like to know why the loudest voices right now against changing our approach are all white progressive women. Karen's. Yeah, and I, I, ha- I mean, most of you guys have a visual picture in your mind of what San Francisco all white progressive women are. We have Kate Catfield from the DA's office, Jennifer Friedenbach from COH, Hillary Ronin of District 8, all yelling about defunding the police. What is this about? Well, let me tell you something. Progressive, progressive women, progressive people, uh, listen. You're never, ever going to work this out. You're never going to work this out by, um, you know, defending the police for the reason why you want to defend or defund the police. If you wanted to defund the police because you were into creating a better security type force in your area, well, this isn't going to do it. You're not going to solve these problems with social workers. Not going to happen ever. Social workers are never going to stop violent criminals. Not going to happen ever, 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 not to mention, you know, your policies in California in terms of gun control for God's sakes. I mean, that's probably one of your, your biggest problems is people have been good people, peaceful people have been uh, denied the ability to defend themselves. And what they want to do is remove police. Yeah, I agree. The system is broken. The system doesn't work. And when you talk about the you know, the, the drug war and everything else, you know, these people that are committing violent acts against each other. Oh man. That's, I guess that's probably not the time you want to defund the police for the reasons why they wanted to defund the police. What it looks like they're trying to do is collapse that part of society. If, I mean, if I was in charge and I wanted to collapse that part of society, I would let the violent people run absolutely reckless and wild and restrain the good peaceful people. Not give them any way to defend themselves. I don't know. Just me. Meanwhile, our mayor who grew up in the projects of San Francisco and our chief of police, two of the most thoughtful, kind and pragmatic people in San Francisco are asking for funds and help. They are getting shouted down as racist. This is nuts. (laughs) Well, I mean, you guys have really kind of overplayed that hand for a very long time. Anything that, Anybody that doesn't agree with you is a racist. Many people in San Francisco came here to, quote unquote, change the world. They start companies, fight for causes they believe in, recycle and compost, invest in green products. This is all wonderful. But what about the humanitarian crisis in our backyard? I've been thinking a lot recently about the concept of civic duty. What is our responsibility as a citizenry? What is civil society? What does it mean to contribute to our neighborhood, city, state, and nation? Well, here's what will never contribute anything. is force and coercion. When people are forced and coerced to contribute to the state, nothing will, nothing good will ever eventually come from those things. You might get some short-term gains here and there if you have an if huge big if if you have politicians who actually go out and help people that we know that doesn't happen they help banks they help corporations they help the people that help them get reelected. elected and then let's face it a lot of times the banks and the corporations are the people who run politicians for office see where i'm going here This is why voluntarism is so important. One of my friends recently woke up to find a homeless person sleeping on the front step of her multi-million dollar home. I asked her what she did. She said, we closed the blinds. I think this is such a metaphor for what's going on here. San Francisco is turning its head. San Francisco believe, I should say, San Francisco, San Franciscans believe they are righteous because they pledge allegiance to the righteous tribe, Democrats. Nailed that one, sister. Damn, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, you're right. It's not only pledging allegiance, it's bowing at the altar of the state, the murder cult. They believe they are moral because they believe in higher taxes, which, I'm going to interject, is just believing that the state should have a monopoly on force and coercion to take life, liberty, and property. They believe they are virtuous because they believe in big government. It's so weird. I am just so confused. If progressives believe in their big government, then why aren't they doing the bare minimum? The minimum that even F.A. Hayek spoke of in the road to serfdom in 1944. He is a famous libertarian and believed in providing food, shelter, and clothing She goes on to cite um, from page one thirty three, the security and freedom. um, Not going to get into F A Hayek. If you should, yeah, definitely read the Road to Serfdom. Um, I'm not saying Hayek is right on everything, but Hayek has a much better understanding on some issues than others. And he, you know, he had a big heart. I'll I'll leave it at that. So, what is going on here? Is this all due to tribalism? are San Franciscans so desperate to fit in that they bl- blindly follow the liberal left-wing causes even when they make no sense? The book Hate Inc. suggests as such. Uh, she provides this as well. It's got Sean Hannity and uh, that dude from NBC. Um, what's her What's her face? Uh, golly, I can never ever... Uh, Maddow, I can never remember that dude's name. I get messages almost daily from people who say they are afraid to speak up for fear of professional ramifications. I think that's most of America. You're not alone there. If you're afraid to speak up because of professional ramifications, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, as a guy who's done it for years now, um, it will catch up with you. You will face ramifications. And at some point, it will probably um, ruin uh, any shot that you ever have of quote-unquote fitting in Uh, In terms of, you know, the corporate structures, the corporate uh, everything that are out there. And, you know, I'm just going to I'll leave it there, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're not wrong. The problem is, is what we've come to value and why we've come to value it and what it's done to our culture, which she's obviously killing it right now. Some say there are they're even afraid to like my tweets. I'm afraid to ask questions about the vaccine on Twitter. What kind of freedom do we stand for here? You don't. Um, As progressives, as Democrats, as Republicans, you guys don't really stand for freedom. Libertarians, a lot of us, most of us do. We're not in power. Um, And the thing is, we, I don't know, we're not really the power people. We're people that want to empower people and really decentralize the state to local, if not you know, an individual basis, as much as possible. In college, I studied totalitarian governments and how they came to power. The similarities I see in too many of the elements of society today are harrowing. The cancel culture, the wrong think, the adulation of experts, the cultishness towards science, and the blind support by party. We're more worked up over gerrymandering than we are about people dying in our own streets. My friends in San Francisco read article after article about Trump and don't even know who their supervisor is. Since when did local policies become so pedestrian so as to not warrant the attention? And I love this paragraph. I love this paragraph because a progressive is talking about doing things locally, taking action What is happening here? That's what's happening across the United States right now. People are asking the question and they are moving towards getting away from a federal type of society to a state, county, city-based society, which is absolutely, you know, without question, better. It's less levels of government. It's people that you can actually reach out and have conversations with touch and get rid of. If they're criminals, that's where you can have outstanding effects. If you understand that you can get rid of this stuff through things like the Helios initiative, it's on radicalpod.com. If you're asking, where can I find out about the Helios initiative? It's a tab up top. Click on Helios. It'll take you. All you got to do is copy and paste and get familiar with it. Take it to your mayors and your sheriffs and have them nullify, decentralize and localize your government so they're stop abusing peaceful people. Anyway, she goes on. I have been critiqued for showing showcasing San Francisco's problems, told that I am fueling the Fox News narrative accused of using Trump-like messaging to rile people up. Am I traitorous for drawing attention to our issues? Is my critique of progressives unwarranted? I have been tweeting about San Francisco for about two years now. For a long time, people kept asking me what my goal was. That question died down a while ago. Perhaps it's become clear. In case it isn't, my goal is to inspire civic engagement and interest in our local politics. Good for you. My goal is to draw attention to San Francisco's government issues and policies because I think we can do better. This is my hometown. I think it's very special. San Francisco used to mean something. It stood for something. I was proud to be from here. But today, I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed of our values. I feel ashamed of our groupthink. I feel ashamed of our lack of civic engagement. I feel ashamed of the inequality, our wasted budget, of the corruption, the grift, and the greed I will tell you right now, we need more people having this revelation. We need more people admitting they were wrong. We need more people in this country that are absolutely sick to death of what's going on and take action at their local level. Michelle, I've got things for you for days in terms of taking action and having a a real effect on what you can do if you can channel the resources that are being taken by the grifting, greedy, corrupt government around you and channel them into your neighborhoods. Can you imagine what $13 billion could do in San Francisco if it wasn't wasted on government? We have some of the most educated people in the world living here. We have some of the wealthiest, most productive companies in human history. We have beautiful homes, views, nature, weather, This should be the beacon of liberalism. This should be a city on a hill. I'm tweeting because I am trying to understand how things went so wrong. How we earned ourselves the nickname Gotham. How our downtown streets started to look like a scene out of the dystopian movie. How we labeled a class of destitute people zombies. I have a hunch it's something to do with political tribalism. Mark Twain wrote, To lodge all power in one party and keep it there is to ensure bad government and the sure and gradual deterioration of the public morals. Is this what is happening here? I'm exploring these issues because I don't want to see the rest of our country look like San Francisco. What's happening here should be a warning about what happens when people pick a side and and hate vote against others. I'm considering pivoting my company to focus on the middle path. What does it look like to be radically moderate? What does it mean to put political tribalism aside and work together? Is it possible? What does it look like to study the other side, to challenge your beliefs? I'll tell you what it sounds like. It's not so much that it's being a moderate. It's freeing people to do what they will with their life, liberty, and property. That's not moderation. That is radical freedom. And where liberalism bastardized the word liberal, to be free, to liberate, to make the human condition sovereign, those are the things that we have to make sure that are restored. And that's why you have to fight Against taxation, against government monopoly, force, and coercion. It's not about being radically moderate. It's about being radically free. Freeing the human condition is the only way to improve the human condition. You can't do it, and you will never, ever, ever do it through the force and coercion of government. Period. To challenge your own beliefs... And to get comfortable challenging your beliefs is exactly what I had to do when I went from being a neocon to a libertarian and really an anarcho-capitalist. I don't think for a moment that it's going to be perfect. But I will tell you that throughout history, when things have been decentralized, when governments have been localized, when currency has been decentralized the the human condition is flourished in those places we have gone from you know what they call zero to one where there never was something to some type of technology and then obviously one to two and beyond in terms of versions improving you will never ever 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 get that through government the only thing that you will ever get through government is death starvation, murder, caging, killing. I mean, it is, it is a government is a nightmare. It's not about being radically moderate. It's about being radically questioning of what you believe. It's about taking the best ideas on a daily basis and saying, I don't give a damn where they come from. I don't care about your political parties. I care about the individual because when we take care of the individual and what I mean by take care of the individual is leave them as free as possible. If they're hurting nobody, or taking their stuff. We have to leave peaceful people alone. If we can do that, and we're in that pendulum swing now. Stop hurting peaceful people. Stop allowing the government to hurt peaceful people to contact them, to cage them, to kill them. Like this is where it has to stop. If you'll go down that path of challenging your own beliefs, you're ready. You're ready for information. You're ready for the journey that it takes to become less dependent on the state for charity, for security, and more dependent on yourself. And I've said it a million times. Independence is a verb. If you aren't getting closer to being independent from the state for your security, for charity, for all of these things, you're probably a Democrat or Republican. You're probably not looking at the situation and questioning your beliefs or challenging your own beliefs. You're probably in the dogmatic approach that most Americans who are still Republicans and Democrats, which let's face it, there is a fading number of those people. And that's a good thing. For us, for anybody who is libertarian or independent, who is ready to challenge their beliefs, you're in a good place. Now, how do we get you the information? Mises Institute is a great place. I'm not doing a whole bunch, but look up Mises.org and you'll find more information about understanding economics, the state businesses corporations and how these this trinity of the murder cult interacts with each other and how we get rid of it um great book out there in terms of moving forward also as a bitcoin standard it talks about all of this stuff in terms of history and why things are the way they are especially with our economic system and our political system and our corporations great book why have i never learned about the cases for gun rights, or about the values of Islam. What are the arguments against abortion? What do so many people not want to? T- Why do so many people not want to take the vaccine? Why am I not allowed to ask these questions without being accused of doing harm? Because you're a threat. This week, I'm doing a lot of thinking, writing, and reading. My friends are posting on Instagram from. There are luxurious hotels in Mexico and ski resorts. I put them all on mute. Something called to me this week to hunker down. I've been driving in the rain and thinking. I'm trying to figure out why I care so much about all of this and why I'm spending so much time on Twitter. I think it's because I'm trying to work something out, trying to figure out how this relates to to my company, trying to see if I can find a way to merge it all together. I think it's something about moderate values or moderation. Perhaps it's about balance or the middle path, civil society, civic duty, civilization, free thinking, contrarian thought, discourse. My mind is swirling a bit. I could use some help and insight. I am clearly quite upset about what I am seeing in my backyard, both here in San Francisco, but more broadly in our country. If you have any ideas or you relate, please do share. And thank you for reading, Michelle. Michelle, I um, I have been in this position. I have been in this position overseas in a war zone after reading John Taylor Gatto, which will help you understand what the government indoctrination system is and why it works the way it does. That is a great place to start. It is a great place to start in terms of just understanding that most people are bound to go there. They are bound to be there. They are bound by the state through truancy laws and everything else to be indoctrinated by the state, by the banking corporations, by the, 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 the corporations in general. And by the propaganda, where they will lean some ways in some cities or other ways out in suburbs or in rural America to divide people so that they can be ruled, instead of focusing on what's most important, and that is the intangibles, the life, the liberty, the peace, the consent of those Every day, peaceful people, man, woman, and child. Why aren't we taking care of them? Why don't we at least, at the very minimum, leave them alone? When you understand the answers to these questions, and when you understand where our economic system came from, what it has done in the past, um, the fact that you're taught macro versus micro and not Keynesian versus Austrian schools of thought and economics, you begin to understand an even bigger picture there. It's so much out there in terms of information, Michelle, and the fact that you're asking the fact that you're reaching out, the fact that you're curious, I think is not only, uh, you know, something that you're asking. I think that's what a lot of this country is trying to understand right now. You're at a moment where I was in 2004 And you are in for a long road of tough pills to swallow. And it's not going to be easy. But there are people that will help you through this that are some of the best people that I've ever met. When I can have amazing relationships with people who are diehard, former diehard progressives, as I was a former diehard neocon. We've found a way to agree and make things work. We agree we don't hurt people. We don't take their stuff. We agree that we don't use force and coercion and we don't allow anybody to use force and coercion against peaceful people. When you can come together on these very, very easy to understand, naturally true aspects of the human condition, we have overlap. We have that Venn diagram, that special area where it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We see each other, we see each other's humanity. We see, we have empathy for each other and our fellow man. And we have the knowledge and the understanding to fix it. So if you're willing, this is an open invite to you to come over here, ask all the questions you like. Um, And we can do this through uh, through the show, or we can do it wherever. But this goes for anybody and everybody else out there as well. If you have questions, if this is something that is, that is you're having revelations on right now, whether you, you're progressive, whether you're, you're quote-unquote conservative, I don't care. I think this is one of those things that we, especially as libertarians, have to present people with. We're not a bunch of kooks. We've been saying this is going to happen for a very long time. And until it does, I guess, we're just the guys that, you know, cried wolf. But going forward, I think this group of people is growing more than any time in our history. That is open to everyone for the first time in history. Has the ability to change this world for the better in 2022 and well beyond. Got a lot of big things to do. We've got the answers. People are naturally moving towards them, um, and I think that's where I'm going to wrap up the show today. Um, Michelle, hats off to you for having the courage to write these, to put them out there, to ask the questions, to defy what the the propagandists have told you is acceptable and what's not acceptable, and taking the slings and arrows that you're taking. I guarantee you, um, I understand it very very well and i wish more people were willing to do such things but i don't know until next time ladies and gents thank you guys for tuning in i will do a couple more shows the next show is the one uh that i've been waiting a long time to do um it'll be episode 180 and um kind of a mile marker for me so at any rate i hope you guys are having a great end of the year i hope it's peaceful i hope it is a little more relaxed than than the casual life that we're used to um, on a daily basis and i hope you're with a good family and good friends in this time and are looking towards some silver linings coming into 2022 at any rate until next time i love you i need you peace um don't hurt people and don't take just this-